Hi, this is Jason Schneeberger, a.k.a. Rain Architect. I was also in Murder Collection from Toe Tag Pictures, and you are listening to Sick on Cinema. Welcome to Sick on Cinema. I'm one half of your podcasters that just want to boogie. John? <laughs> I'm your other half, Matt. You and always catch me off guard with those. <laughs> also, apologize if you hear a fan in the background. It's hot it, as it's, balls. It's October. Okay, what, what day is it? It's October 7th, I believe. Okay, yeah. It's October Yeah, October 7th, and it's still blistering it's hot. It's 90 degrees. <laughs> Where Fall's dead. Where are you, Fall? <laughs> <laughs> So, this is almost the episode that wasn't. Oh, my God. I, I was beginning to think that the David Hess episode was cursed. Yeah. Because uh, we first week... It's not over yet, so Jesus. <laughs> first week, I was... Uh, I had last house washed and ready to go. Uh-huh. And then I nearly broke my ankle. Uh-huh. Which delayed us. <laughs> yeah, and uh, work delayed got in the way. It. Yep, and then, the day, then Saturday, we announced, like... All right, Friday ain't going to happen, but we're going to have it up Saturday. And, and then all of a sudden you text me like, I got to go in at three. And I'm like, well, <laughs> oh, shit. Well, what happened was I, th- yeah, I usually, cl- I usually you know, go to work on Fridays. But I didn't. And they and I was told that I have to go to work at three. Right. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so I had to text you immediately. And I was like. I got to go to work. And you're mm-hmm. like, I got up at 3.30. I was yeah. like, damn it. <laughs> and then you went to a movie last I did. night. Yeah. Which I was at work, so. Mm-hmm. Which I'll Hello, talk about Darkest that in a minute. Friend. Uh, but last, finally, where we got the mics in front of us. We're speaking. English. English. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all of our foreign language friends, which I doubt you're listening to this if uh, you speak a different language. Yeah, if you do, <laughs> then. God bless you. Yeah, <laughs> But yes, we are here to pay tribute to the late, great, king of the exploitation, David Hess. Yes. We'll be covering his trilogy, if you will, that I feel like, I feel it's thematically kind of a trilogy. I don't know if he did any other movies like this afterwards. Not really. He was in Swamp Thing. I don't know if you know that. I don't know that. He played a bad guy. Of course, Chaos he did. <laughs> of course he paid, he played a bad guy because in wrestling terms, he's the biggest heel. He really <laughs> is. This era, man. But we'll be covering Last House on the Left, House on the Edge of the Park, and Hitchhike. Yes. One massive film, one pretty big, and one, I'm going to say it, a hidden gem. Yes. So we'll be covering that. And stay tuned because at the end of this episode, we will be making a massive announcement yes. regarding our next episode, which will be dropping on. Should have had this pulled up. <laughs> uh, drum roll, kind of. Oh, God. 
Uh-oh. This is what happens when you're amateur hour. The 26th is when this will drop. We're at the 26th? Yeah. Because we're off next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So. All right. But we'll be hopping at plenty on the way to the 26th. Mm Mm-hmm. But that will be announced at the end of the episode. That sounded crazy. (laughs) That sounded creepy. I like that. Also, we watched some pretty dope movies recently that we should should talk about. Yeah, sure. Go right ahead. Uh, we watched Terrifier, finally. Yes. It was, it was really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, something I wanted to talk about a little bit with Terrifier was I felt like that movie had a shit ton of hype behind it. Yeah. Before it ever even got, like, done, it seems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'd seen the, I knew the clown was from All Hallows Eve, of course. I haven't seen that. I haven't either. But, <laughs> but, but there were shirts and everything yeah. before this movie was ever made. The movie's cool. The movie is cool. Also, I saw a movie for the first time, and it's one that I may end up watching uh, for future Octobers in the in, in the near future, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's Creep. Oh, yes, Creep. Very good uh, found footage movie from last year, I believe. Uh, Creep is a crazy movie mm-hmm. that, like, of course you know it's not real. Yeah. Of course, but it's, it's a movie that... Could happen, like, yeah. in real life. It's it, a, it's an excellent, you know, to not be too punny. It's very creepy. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, just every moment in that movie makes you feel anxious. Right, you're just like, oh god, what's gonna happen? And of course, I'm not gonna spoil anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a batshit crazy movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. I enjoy it. Also, the bad man. Yes, which we don't want to get too much into. Oh, God. Because I, I am for certain that we will be talking about the bad man. But we can go ahead and say that everybody needs to go out when this finally gets its wide release. Yeah. Because right now, I think the only thing out is the Kickstarter Exclusive. pre-orders. Yeah. But when that thing gets an official release, Oof. you need to go pick it up. Scott it's, Shimmer, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I could be completely wrong about I, that. I think you're right. but um, The guy is one of the best, like... Mental, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like he's the best at like disturbing films that are graphic but not overly graphic. Yeah, it's very much a uh, like a mental breakdown kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's done Found, Harvest Lake, which is the only one I haven't seen. Um, the Bad Man and Plank Face. Yeah. So, you know, we're definitely gonna be talking about his movies down the road one day. But yes, when that thing comes out, get it. Yeah, this movie, like, of course I'm not going to get into extreme details about it, but if if you're a fan of this podcast and you're a fan of a lot of the movies we cover on this podcast, then seek this one. Yeah. Because this one, buckle up. <laughs> it's a doozy. It's yeah. A, it's definitely a doozy, for It's a sure. hard watch, man. Yeah. Yeah. And we decided to watch this together for some reason. Mm, well, you know, <laughs> I enjoyed watching it. So. Oh, yeah, I did too. <laughs> so it's one of those movies that after you get done watching it, you wonder if you actually like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's most of the movies I think we cover. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're good movies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just saying you like August Underground Mortem makes sense. Not really, no, because I had to enjoy something like that. But <laughs> It's just the worst but you, of humanity putting on the... <laughs> Film. But you you enjoy the experience, the enjoy the 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 shock it puts you through. You yeah, know? I would say that's how I would describe it. I'm not sure what draw really draws us to extreme film, but um, to me it was always like the way I look at it is like when I was a kid, Evil Dead scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw 
scared the hell out of me. But there came a point where nothing really scared me anymore. Mm. So it was like I was kind of looking for that next thing that would shock me, scare me. You know what I mean? Right. So I started moving to more extreme film because it not necessarily scare me, but it would disturb me or bother me. And it was like it was something that would get a reaction out of me that horror, regular horror movies just didn't do anymore. You know? Right. Still love just regular horror movies. Mm-hmm. But, you know. I mean, one of the first, the only times I've really seen you get actually like scared in a movie was Hell House LLC, yeah. which is starting to gain traction out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like Hell House LLC is not even like the the greatest. It's good. Yeah, it's good, but it has a couple moments in there that are legit. Like, oh shit! <laughs> oh god, I'm not gonna. Get, I'm, I won't get into it for you know spoiler reasons. But when they go downstairs mm-hmm. and uh, things begin to happen, uh, that's where I was like, uh, no, it's a good tension builder. Um, I yesterday. Mm-hmm. Went to the Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you're in the area, check them out. Um, to see Basket Case and Brain Damage double feature on uh, the big screen. How was Brain Damage? Because I know you had never seen it. I had never. Like, that was the only Hinlauder movie I had never seen. I'd seen all three Basket Case movies. I'd seen Frankenhooker, Bad Biology. But I'd never seen Brain Damage. I really, really liked Brain Damage a lot. It's a crazy, crazy little movie with a parasite that injects this guy's brain with like this juice. Oh that God. gets him higher in hell. He becomes addicted to it, so he has to feed the thing brains in order to get his fix. And uh, this bottle over here. I don't know how to like the. His name's Elmer. Elmer, the uh, the little creature, the little parasite, <sighs> and he has tiny blue eyes, like actual human looking eyes, Ugh. which is hilarious looking. And I don't know how to describe his voice. He's just like. Well, hello. Hi, my name is Elmer. <laughs> like it's just the, it's only it's it's something only Frankie and Lauder can pull off and make awesome. When you say the when you describe this, I all I can think about is Bad Milo. <laughs> like, like these like this parasite like thing like infecting people. Whatever. I can see Bad Milo being influenced by Hannah Lauder in general. Oh yeah, like Hannah Lauder stuff is always kind of like body horror grindhouse. Which is a genre that doesn't really exist except for him. Unless you want to uh, consider like the movies like Slum City or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But he's his are just better though. Well, Even yeah. though I love those movies, but you know, the only thing on the same level as Hinnelot would be like Street Trash, I think. Yeah. But yeah, Brain Damage was awesome, and seeing it with the crowd was super fun. There was a guy who had an Elmer like a replica with him. Oh, really? Yeah, he had it in his pocket. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So. It was cool. It was a really, really good time. Central Cinema's awesome. They have great popcorn. That was the first time I tried their popcorn. Oh, really? It's awesome. It's great popcorn. How much, how much was the popcorn? It was like four bucks. It's not bad. It's not bad considering, you know, how much yeah. it's... You look getting popcorn at like, you know, like AMC or anything like that. No, no, not to like shout them, like not to call them out, but... Yeah. Well, movie theaters in general. Like a large popcorn. It's like, like $10. Like a, like a ticket, a large Coke... And a large popcorn is going to cost you like $30, $35. I can go buy like a meal at like Olive Garden for that price. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. I saw Brain Damage and Basket Case for $15. How, how dope is that? Mm-hmm. And I know we were talking about going to see some of the Universal stuff they're screening. Yeah, which is, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get down there. Because they're screening them kind of early. Yeah. Because the late shows are kind of the bigger movies. Hmm. So it kind of depends on work. But, uh. If you're a fan of John Carpenter, you're going to want to come this upcoming week, oh. which would be what the nineteenth, I think. Like that, yeah. Um, 
the week, the Friday of the nineteenth, <clears throat> because they'll be showing Howard Hawks, the thing from another planet. Oh shit! Or a thing from another world. Yeah. But, and John Carpenter's the thing. Dude, that's crazy. Double feature, fifteen dollars. The thing is, I kind of wish they would have waited till it got a little colder. Yeah. Which I'm um, not even sure that's going to happen this year. Yeah. And then I think the week after that, they're showing Reanimator and Broad Reanimator. That's cool. I've never seen Broad, but I've always seen I haven't seen, seen Broad either. Really? Mm-mm. And they're, uh, they're doing a Plan 9 from Outer Space one day. $5. Oh, awesome. And then they're also doing uh, Kung Fu Theaters, and they're doing like the Shaw Brothers Horror stuff. Oh, yeah. And this week is the Boxer's Omen, and I'm not going to be able to go see it. I've never seen Boxer's Omen. It looks absolutely batshit crazy, and I want to <laughs> see it, but I can't go. <laughs> so I'm angry about that. I hate to be, you know, very random, but I probably should turn this TV off. Oh. <laughs> I so, mean... Just keep talking for a second. But, uh, yeah. Not only did we go down to Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you're in the area, you definitely want to check out Central Cinema. I know we keep... They're not sponsored us, you know. We're just fans, and, I, I you know, I want this to be ex- ex- as successful as possible so that we keep getting really cool stuff like this. But we also went across the road... To a really cool shop called Ravens Rarities and Ra- Ravens Records and Rarities, Triple R. Mm-hmm. This place is a vinyl collector's wet dream. Oh yeah. So as you walk in, just long boxes of records from anything oh, from wow. film scores, like they had like the Beyond score and Cat in the Brain, Last House on the Left soundtrack. Oh wow! I almost bought it, but I was like, ah, I gotta save my money. I need gas. <laughs> 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 to DVDs. To some really awesome VHS. Really? Like, they had, like, Bloodsucking Freaks VHS. Oh, shit. Um, to original movie posters. Old Fangorias. My God. Like, toys. Tapes. You know? <laughs> like, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, they, they have... It's awesome. So, Ravens, Records, and Rarities is definitely a place you want to check out. It's right across the road from Central Cinema. That's awesome. Pop in there, spend some money. You could spend a lot of money in there if you're a collector. <laughs> probably, probably more than we we probably even have right now. Right. So about the time we start getting to the movies, but before we do, as always, questions, comments, and concerns can be sent to sickoncinema at gmail dot com. Yes. Follow us on the social medias at sickoncinema. Instagram, Sick on Cinema Podcast. Just search it, you'll find us. Twitter's deadass. Twitter's deadass. I've started using Facebook again, oh. Hey. So. Sick on Cinema there as well. You can find us. Give us a big thumbs up. Five stars on iTunes and review us. That yes. will help us more than anything. So, there you go. I think we got that out of the way. Now it's time to pay tribute to the late, great David Hess. Yes. The man was many things. Yeah. A great actor. Probably the greatest villain in, in uh, film history. Yeah, he's up there for sure. Also, a musician, very good musician. Yeah, wrote songs that were bought by Elvis. Wait, what? What? Yes, like some of Elvis's big hits were written by David Hiss. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. How much money did he make from that? Uh, probably a lot, <laughs> or maybe not. Who knows? You know, that was a different it's time. A time, yeah. Um, he was Elvis's ghostwriter. He was Elvis's ghostwriter. It's crazy. Yeah. Girls ride the whip, dog. <laughs> not, no. <laughs> not, not, not that one. But I'd say David Hess's claimed, like, <laughs> claim into fame for the horror genre or the exploitation genre would be none other than the Wes Craven's first 
feature film. Now, before this, Wes Craven had dabbled in pornography. Yeah. As most horror directors of theirs did. <laughs> yep, in the 70s and stuff like that. That's yep. usually where they got their start. Tons of uh, well-known horror directors of that era stepped into hardcore pornography first and then into... The actual, like, horror. Yeah. But he stepped in with 1972's infamous The Last House on the Left. All I'm going to say is uh, this is a uh, pretty crazy movie to debut on. Yeah, it really is. Wheels turning. <laughs> Do not get his copyright flag. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, basically, the the plot for Last House on the Left is nothing you haven't heard a million times. <laughs> In fact, it's a loose remake of Igmar Bergman's The Virgin Springs. Also, something I just want to mention right quick is it's going to be a good week next week to not watch someone get raped. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because um, that's all we've done for the last, like, month and a half, I feel like. Pretty much. <laughs> because we've covered so many rape revenge movies recently yep. that it's not even funny. Yeah. Um, so you have Mary, who's a young, flowering, teenage, hippie girl. Yeah. Who, a friend, who I can't remember her name right now, because I didn't write down, because I'm a dumb dumb. I didn't write down either. Are going to go see a band called, what, Blood Rots or something like that? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Just not something like a band that a hippie is going yeah. to see. So her dad and mom, of course, are like, you know, you got to be careful. And they're out in the woods and they're talking and they they basically come to the point where they want to score some grass. Some grass. So they meet up with um, this odd looking gentleman mm-hmm. whose name is Junior. Junior. To score some grass. And at first he's like, I ain't got no grass. Then he changes his mind and brings him back to his apartment to give him the grass. However... It's a booby trap, because there is escaped convict Krug, played by David Hess, and um, Weasel, who was Fred Lincoln, and Sadie, who is Krug's girlfriend. Yes. And they take the two young girls hostage, take them to the woods eventually, because their car breaks down, and from there, terrible things happen. <laughs> terrible, terrible things happen to these people. Terrible, terrible things happen. But, yeah. So, Last House on the Left is one of the most notorious rape-revenge films ever made. Yeah. For many reasons. For one, the violence is extreme. Very much so, It's, yeah. very, it's brutal. Uh, the rape is extremely, not graphic, but immensely realistic. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that the people who are the ones getting wronged are not the ones to get revenge. Their parents. Mm-hmm. Which is not a spoiler. I think everybody knows that now. I mean, let's let's all let's be honest. You've heard of this movie or you've watched this movie in one way or another, mm-hmm. whether you've watched this one or any other like movie like it. Yeah. Which has been ripped off numerous times. <sighs> Hundreds of times. But it, it it must be said that um this is a pretty close remake of Igmar Bergman's The Virgin Springs. Mm-hmm. Some people might even call it a rip-off. <laughs> well, you know. Sean Cunningham, who you know would go on to make Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. as well as some other films, did kind of get a reputation as being kind of a rip-off artist. Being, uh, I was going to say the word, what, what the actual word for that is, but I never can remember it. Oh. <laughs> for instance, last he wrote Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left is kind of a 
rip off of Virgin Springs. Yeah. He made a movie that was very similar to the Bad News Bears. He made Friday the 13th 1 and 2. Wrote them. And there's tons of kills in those movies taken from uh, Bay of Blood by Mario Bava. Well, yeah. I mean, when it happens once, I feel like it can be a bit understandable. Yeah. When you do it like hundreds of times. It begins to get a little weird. It does. Like, um, but ultimately, I don't think that hurts this movie. No. But, um, so what did you think about The Last House on the Left? Which wasn't the first time watching for you, right? No, this is my second time watching it. Okay. My first time watching it, I must have missed the entire, like, first 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. Because, for some reason, I don't remember the pa- the parents until everything happens <laughs> at the end. <laughs> And I didn't realize that the fucking cops yeah. are in there longer yeah. than they are than when I saw it. To me, the ultimate flaw, which I want to get the bad stuff out of the way and then we'll talk about the good stuff. Because okay. I feel I do feel the good outweighs the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest problem with this Mooney, Mo- Mooney, Sean Mooney. Remember Sean Mooney from WWE? Sean, who? From like the 80s, Sean Mooney. I thought it sounds familiar. Anyways, that was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The biggest flaw with this movie is that it's tonally uneven. Whether it be the soundtrack or things that just happened, which Mm -hmm. I understand this was his first like actual film. Yeah, but you you have to decide on what you want this movie to feel like. Yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of you can play with tone a little bit, but. To the extremes this film does really is bothersome because it'll go from something, you know, brutal like mm-hmm. the piss your pants scene, or something like that, you yeah. know, to like the family making a cake and like this, you know, the one scene that sticks out in my head so much when you talk about like music and stuff is they're taking the girls down from the building, like they're walking down, like kidnapping this, them, yeah, kidnap them from like this, like. Stairs up from the building. It's it's really a fire. Sta- it's a fire escape. Is what it is. Yeah, and the song's playing. It's like dun, 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 dun. I'm like, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Or yeah. then like, you know, a scene we'll get into more here in just a minute. But the you know now you're all alone scene. Yeah. Which is haunting. Mm. To the cops trying to get on a chicken truck. That fucking scene makes me want to jump off a bridge. It's just, it's completely uneven in, in, in tone. And I guess Wes, sorry, it's I didn't mean bad. to do that. <laughs> I was trying to like adjust my seat, I kept driving it. But, and I guess what it was, was Wes Craven being like, this is too much, this is too severe, we need some levity. But it just doesn't work. Only if he knew yeah. how far things would be took in the future. Yeah, right. Look, compare what happens in this movie, right? Yeah. To the... The graphicness of something like a Serbian film. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just uh, it's just so tonally uneven. And the soundtrack is the same way. Like, some songs are great, and they work perfectly. Yeah. And then some songs are unneeded. And just not very good. For instance, the Here, here comes Sadie Weasel and Crew. Oh, that song <laughs> also made me want to jump over a bridge. Not that it's a bad song. Like, if you're just listening to it, perfectly fine song but it does not belong in this movie no at all but let's get into the good stuff now that okay. we've kind of complained if there's anything unless there's anything else you didn't like i mean that that's, that's pretty much what really bothered me mm-hmm. and there's in also in the end which i think most people know about the ending mm-hmm. or at least have seen a bit of the ending yeah the scene 
with the damn saw. Yeah. Goes on forever. It does, but I kind of like that, honestly. Because it builds a lot of tension, I think. It just keeps cutting back and forth between their faces. Like, it's just like, is he going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Do? I kind of like that. And, it, you know, we talked about, like, you know, I said that I felt like Rob Zombie took a lot of influence from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, scenes like that, you know, the scene in um, House of Thousand Corpses when he holds the the gun to the cop's head for a long period of time. I feel like it's really influenced by some of the stuff that's in this movie. Yeah. I mean, again, this movie is super influential mm. for the future because I think it wouldn't be too long after this that I Spit on Your Grave comes out. Yeah. And Which, then, you know, it's hard to say if like movies like this had influence on My Spit on Your Grave where it was kind of this weird movement that kind of just happened all together. Yeah. But, you know, for later films, for sure, this movie is immensely inspirational. It would be... I can't count on one hand how many times the Italians ripped it off. Oh, and how many times? God. I mean, like, I don't want to shit on because some of the people that worked on this movie are now gone. Yeah. But Chaos yeah. is a complete ripoff of this movie. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just not as good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just. You see, when you sit here and see this movie and then you see all the movies that followed it in the same genre. Mm hmm. Like it's like they took things from that from this one, yeah. And I spit on your grave and just copy paste formula with different scenarios. Absolutely. And a lot of times they wouldn't go as far, no, as this movie, no. And I think the the big driving force of that is David Hess. David Hess makes you hate him. He is amazing as Krug. Yes, he's frightening. He's intense. At the same time, kind of charming. Yeah, like, especially we'll see later on when it comes to, like, charming. Mm-hmm. It's just, damn, it, it's it, it's so good to hate him in these movies. There's the two scenes that I think really, like, emphasize how amazing David Hess is in this movie and how scary is the piss your pants scene. Yeah. Which, you know, is one of the most intense things because, like, it's a scene that shows that you don't have, it doesn't have to be blood and guts and rape to be unnerving. Yeah. Because he's breaking her down, you know what I mean? Mentally. That's just as frightening to me. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Where he's like, you know, you either piss your pants or I'm going to cut her, her friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then she won't do it and he, you know, cuts I mean, her. And yeah. like, the way though that scene is filmed, it's so intense, it's so frightening, it's stark, it's disturbing, you know. It really shakes you up, really. Yeah. You feel like you're in there. Oh, of course. And that's because Wes Craven also worked, you know, as a cameraman for documentaries and stuff mm-hmm. before this. So he really had that, like, raw, gritty style. Yeah, and when you watch this mo- this movie and you see scenes like that one and you see scenes like, uh, like the, the one, the most infamous scene in the yeah. movie, you can tell that a star is being born with this movie. Yeah, Craven... You you could definitely tell that Craven had an absolute future. Yeah, the guy was just—he knew how to be scary. You know what I mean? Yeah, he knew how to take situations in real life and make them terrifying. Because, I mean, a lot of his stuff is based off of things that have happened. Yeah, you know, because absolutely, yep. You know, last house, and I'm sure this has happened to, un, you know, people unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, yeah. many times before, and. Like the the Nightmare on Elm Street, the Freddy Krueger stuff, like people were dying in their sleep out of nowhere. It was based on a, a story of a kid yeah. who said if he fell asleep he would die, and when they finally got him to go to sleep, he did. Yeah. And then he also named the villain uh, Freddy Krueger. I don't yeah. know, if you know I don't know if you picked this up, and David Hess's character's name is... Krug. He had a bully in school, I think his name was Krug. Yeah. 
So he named Krug and Kruger. Yeah. Which he, you know, and then like Hills Have Eyes is based on that cannibal family in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And also, like, I'm sure. Serpent the Rainbow as well, yeah. you know, is based on real stuff. And Scream is mm-hmm. based off of like babysitter, like, yeah. murder cases. So Craven is really good at like taking something and like building into it. Yeah. But the other scene to me that really shows David Hess's scariness is the, the, the blow your brains out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there comes a moment when he's just screaming at this person. Well, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, I'm sure most people have seen Last House on the Left, mm-hmm. but if you haven't, you need to. You know, he's like, blow your brains out. Blow you, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, damn. And just the look <laughs> on his face, like, he's just so good. David Hess is so good. Yeah. The guy was better than any movie he was ever in, really. And I just don't even say anything, because I love, I love all three of these movies. Yeah. But he was that good of an actor. Like... He was such a good actor that he takes a lot of these actors in these movies who are already really good on their own, mm-hmm. and he just becomes like this little shining star. Yep, in between everything. Yep, he's always the commander in the movies. I feel. like. Oh yeah, <laughs> except for maybe Hitchhiker. I do feel like Hitchhiker. He, he had some competition in Hitchhiker with like Franco Nero and the girl. I can't remember her name, but yeah, you know there was definitely competition there. In that one in particular, but um, in this one, Fred Lincoln as well, who plays Weasel, I think is a very standout performance as well. Oh yeah, the dude is he's very slimy and sleazy and very like nervous looking. Yeah, and he does. I think he does. Who he was a uh, he was a porn actor. Oh really? Yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> yes, yes, he was an adult film actor. Oh, well. uh, before this, so <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that he probably met. Uh, Craven on a on a set of one of these. Probably, there's actually quite a few people in this movie who are uh, worked on porn before working on this movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. The well, girl who gets stabbed to death. Yeah. She was a adult film actress as well. Really? Yeah. That's <laughs> well, I mean, and that, now you that, know. <laughs> <laughs> this was originally supposed to be a porno. Excuse me. Yeah, David Hess wrote, uh, not David Hess, but Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham wrote this as a porn. Oh my god! <laughs> no, that's not. But they decided to take out the sex and put in more violence. Yeah, which you know <laughs> is what makes this movie what it is. I mean, the intense, uh, insane level of violence. You're talking about like adult film actors mm-hmm. in this movie. Like back then, that wasn't like anything unheard of. No, but there really wasn't a lot of cross. Between now, I'll say it's less nowadays. Yeah. Occasionally you get someone who will do both, but yeah. not rarely. But, um, you know, how do you talk about Last House on the Left without talking about the infamous Now You're All Alone? Oh. So, you know, to set it up, basically what happens is they uh, they kill Mary's friend. Yeah. Which, there is one part of that that I do not like. When she's, when she's like, is she okay? And she's like, yeah, she's right here. And the hand comes out. Oh yeah. It's so obviously a real hand and not like a severed prosthetic hand mm. that it's kind of like all right guys. <laughs> you know like, <laughs> you, you could have just stuck a prosthetic hand out there. Why'd you have to have somebody go whoop? <laughs> but <laughs> but so then they end up carving Krug into her chest and raping her. Yeah. And afterwards they the song starts playing which is written by David Hess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's called, Na- I think it's called Now You're All Alone. You should go look it up. It's on Spotify. 
And it's just this real soft, somber, folky song. Mm-hmm. And as they do it, like, Krug, Sadie, and Weasel are getting up, like, just picking grass off their hands in the blood. Yeah. With this look of almost shame. Yeah, yeah, almost, but you find out later it's not necessarily that. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't think it's shame, but I do feel like it's kind of like, maybe like a point of, like, realization kinda, kinda of who like, they are. Yeah, and just thinking, like, how... Why did we go this far? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But Mary wanders into the water, this little creek that's next to him, and Krug follows her, takes his gun out, shoots her. Yeah. Which that scene, I would say, is almost completely ripped off in House of a Thousand Corpses. Because he has the, I remember you. Right? Yeah. Same thing. Puts the co- gun. Otis puts the gun to the cop's head. Big long pull out forever. Yeah, almost the same. You know what I mean? I mean, of course, this movie and well, let's be honest, a lot of Wes Craven stuff throughout time is extremely influential mm-hmm. upon people. Absolutely, Wes Craven, very much like Dario Argento. Yeah, really has a a knack for like showing violence. And showing yeah. it in its rawest, most gruesome form. Argento may be more stylized mm-hmm. and, you know, able to make it look... It still looks vicious and painful, but, like, pretty at the same time. Where Craven is yeah. more raw and vicious, you know what I mean? Do, well, like, Craven's movies is the is the closest to, like, getting, like, the real thing almost. Like, even in Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, that movie's brutal. That movie <laughs> is absolutely vicious at points, you know what I mean? Scream as well, the opening kill scene in Scream. That yeah, apparently that was worse. Yeah. I found out recently that apparently they wanted that scene to be even worse. Yeah. But it's brutal. Yeah. It's absolute Craven just like his violence in his films is always like insane. Yeah. And brutal. You know, Hells Have Eyes, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, Scream. It it goes throughout his entire career. Something else that goes throughout his entire career that mm. began here is booby traps. Oh my God! Yes. Wes Craven loves him some damn booby traps. I'm I'm starting to wonder if he ghost wrote Home Alone. Home Alone, him yeah. and John Hughes. Yeah, <laughs> because I never picked on to this until you pointed it out. He was like, he loves booby traps. Every movie has booby traps in it. Like, do, doesn't even Scream have that? Probably. It's been a while since I watched Scream, but I know the one girl gets caught in a, a doggy door. That's kind of like a booby trap. Yeah, it, fuck. <laughs> I mean, it never was worse than what it was in Nightmare on Elm Street. That movie oh does become my. Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, like the first, I'd say the first half of Nightmare is amazing. Amazing. But the second half, it slides off it's a little weaker. bit. Yeah, it's weaker. Yeah, de- I would say it's weaker. I know that's blasphemous, but, but I, it I gets do. so silly compared to how vicious it is at the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in this movie, it begins the booby traps. It's crazy. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's crazy. That's just one of his like his little like director um, spotlights that you can always pick up on. You're like, oh yeah, it's great. There's a booby trap. Hills have eyes. Hills have eyes. <laughs> That's booby traps. So crazy, man. I, I never <laughs> even thought about that. But yeah, um, what else is there to say about Last House and Left? I mean, like, that hasn't been said. It's an infamous, iconic movie. It stands the test of time. I mean. It has. It's not without issues. It's not without flaws. No, you know. And I think the more I watch it, the more I do pick up on the flaws. You know, the first time I watched, it, I was just like, "Man, that was insane! It was so brutal! It's so disturbing!" Yeah. 
but now watching, I'm like, okay, it's tonally awkward. There's some awkward effects. Mm. The booby trap stuff's a little weird, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but um, it's vicious. It's violent. It's and it's to this day still powerful. Yeah, when it's on, it is on. The scenes that are are shocking and powerful are to this day still shocking and powerful. And it honestly helped create in a, a complete genre of films. It did. It really pushed forward. You know, extreme film in a way. You know, yeah. Like there was extreme films before, of course. Of course, like stuff like Herschel Gordon Lewis or yeah. whatever. But you know, but this was it influenced brutality. a lot. Of, it influenced a lot of filmmakers to make up some crazy shit. And then in 2012, we got what? 2012? Yeah, Serbian film. 2012, 11, one or two, or ten. I don't fucking remember. It's 2000 something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I said, to this day, when it hits, it hits. Yeah, you know it's still just as shocking now as it ever was, and will remain that way. And you know, say what you will about some of Craven's mid stuff, mm. you know, stuff like Deadly Friend or Hills of Eyes Two. Mm. Or what was it Shocker? Shocker. You know, say what you will about movies like that, but you gotta give the man credit for Last House on Left, mm-hmm. Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare. Nightmare on Elm Street, and Scream. I mean, not only did he create two of the most like vicious, violent exploitation films. He also created two icons. Yeah, like when like there was this whole thing like we had like a debate about with a couple of our friends about like oh what makes someone a horror icon? You, you know like a master of horror. Yep. And we said you at least have to make one like icon that definitely gets you in. Yeah. Craig created two two icons. Fucking two. And you could argue that Krug is kind of an icon in his own right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't have a franchise, and, like, he's not on a lot of people's, you know, top list, but, you know, Krug's on t-shirts. Yeah. People have Krug tattoos. I don't know if I'd get Krug tattooed on (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, know, and he launched David Hess into an exploitation legend, Mm -hmm. you know, so, Yeah. This uh, this review right here, Last House on the Left, will be a tribute to not just David Hess, but also the late great Wes Craven yes. as well. Because so. both are legends in their Absolutely. perspective. Anything else you want to say about um, Last House before we move on? I mean, as I said, this showed that Wes Craven and David Hess both had extreme potential in them mm-hmm. that would go throughout both of their careers. Yep. And... I mean, of course, there are some pro- some problems in the movie itself, but I still, it's hard not to say this movie isn't, in a way, a masterpiece. It's a classic, for sure. So, yeah. There you go. Last House on the Left. If you've never seen it, shit. What are you doing? Go watch it. <laughs> be prepared, though. It's rough. Honestly, it's rough. Like, I was expecting to be like, you know, because it's kind of like the more one of the more well-known. Yeah. So, sometimes you watch those, and it's like, ah, whatever. You know, it's rough, but whatever. Honestly, Last House on the Left is rough. Well, when you really think about it, like, the the early ones are the fucking most brutal ones. They are. <laughs> there was Last no house, like there was, I spit on your grave. There was no boundaries. No, <laughs> like they just, just they just went for it. <laughs> just fucking killed people. They just destroyed mm. people. But we fast forward five years, and we move to the country of Italy. Italy for a little known exploitation classic. Yes, I would say a hidden gem. There's tons of Italian horror and crime movies that are great, mm-hmm. that get a lot of attention and deserve it. But you don't hear a lot of people talk about Hitchhike. 
from 1977. And honestly, the fact that no one's talked about this is insane. Mm-hmm. Because this movie, I'd say it's super ahead of its time, for one. Yeah. With a lot of, like, things that just happen. A lot of social movie. commentary in this oh, film. Oh, yeah. You know, about, like, relationships and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Relationships. And what does it mean to be married and be in love kind of thing. You know what I mean? And greed. Yeah, and greed. And it, I don't know. Like, honestly, my sister, who's a friend of the show, man, yeah. of course. Well, she's my sister, but I guess, you know, whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Was that a, was that a, a pretty big flea market around here? Mm-hmm. And, uh... This was around a time where you could still find a lot of the old... Anchor Bay was so widely distributed that you could find that shit everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you could go to flea market and just randomly find an old Anchor Bay title for a while. Which is weird. Nowadays, it's not as easy. No. But at this time, it was. And she was just flipping through DVDs, and she's like, that's David Hess. Pulls it out and texts him. He's like, hey, there's this movie with David Hess in it. You want it? And I was hmm. like, yeah, sure. And lo and behold, it was Hitchhike. And that's how I never heard of this movie until then. But it stars uh, Franco Nero mm-hmm. as well, who is an Italian cinema icon. Yes. But I guess we probably should get into what this is. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so basically we have Eve and Walter. Yeah. Walter is a Italian journalist. Mm-hmm. Eve is his wife, who is the, the boss's daughter. Yes. And to say they have a tumultuous relationship... Would be putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first thing we see is Walter and her hunting and him aiming at her. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, when this movie started, I was like, I saw that, I was like, oh, wait a minute, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then, because in the, in the another couple, I'm like, who just aims a fucking sniper rifle at your partner? Yeah. They they do not, they're not in a happy marriage. No. Walter is a drunk misogynist. Asshole. Yeah, he's definitely a chauvinist, I would say. Mm-hmm. Likes to assert his dominance over her. <sighs> but Eve is kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to describe Eve. She, you know. It feels like, like I feel like it's not on purpose, but her entire character is almost like she's there just to endure. Yeah, but at the same time, you're like, you know. Why do you not just leave Walter? It's true. Like, what is it? Like, why are you here? You know what I mean? I mean, it is very true. So, she's very complicated in that sense as well. So, they're they're out, like, they're on vacation, and they get into fights multiple times. Good God. And eventually, they decide they're heading home, and on the way, they see a guy on the side of the road. Walter's like, keep driving. And I guess to spot him, she decides to pick up this gentleman. And this is Adam, who and is played by David Hess. So you should know automatically that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is if you're going down the road and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to be nice today, pick up a hitchhiker, do not pick up one that looks remotely like, like David, David Hess. Because <laughs> you may get molested. <laughs> yeah, it's probably guaranteed you're going to get molested. Yeah. So things start out kind of awkward. You know, eventually David Hess kind of makes some comments that pisses Walter off, mm. which is funny because he's a piece of shit in his own yeah, right. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about the movie and like just fuming over these characters, man. <laughs> they get into a scuffle, and lo and behold, Adam is a 
bank robber who just pulled off a massive heist, mm-hmm. and he holds him at gunpoint, holds him captive, and says, you're taking me to Mexico. And thus their journey begins. And what a journey it really is. Mm-hmm. Not, My God. Last House on Left is immensely violent. We've said that many times. Yeah. talking about the movie. This movie is immensely cerebral. Yeah. It is a battle of wits in this movie. This movie's like an hour 45, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's decently thick. Yeah. Thick! thick. <laughs> and every single moment of this movie, it just, just inch by inch, is, it's like almost like, in your mind, just like poking needles into your skin. It's tense. Tense is the best way to describe this movie. Yeah. Like, because they're constantly trying to do little things to try to get themselves out of this situation. And you're like, oh shit, he's going to find out about it. You know what I mean? Oh my god. Like, there's some smart stuff in here, too. Like, some stuff I wouldn't even think about if I was in the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's the scene with the, the box of matches. Yep. Which I think we'll probably get into a little later. We can talk about it right now. Okay. Where uh, Walter has his matches, and they're getting pulled over at, like, a checkpoint, basically. Yeah. Because Adam is being hunted. Mm-hmm. And Walter writes SOS. On with, the matches with the, uh, with the match itself. Yeah, with the sulfur, the burnt match. Yeah, and he shows it to the cop. But alas, Adam figures it out and shoots both the cops in the head, which is brutal, by the way. Yeah, one of their heads just goes like. But it's really the only scene of like gore or violence. Yeah. I mean, there's not a ton. Like, there's a couple shootouts and stuff like that, but there's really not a ton of violence. It's all about the mental game. Mm-hmm. It's all about because eventually Adam wants Walter to. Uh, Write a book about him. And, like, just more pressure in there. But he just keeps, like, advancing on Walter's wife. Yeah. Which, hilariously, right? Hmm. Which I know rape and hilarious doesn't go together. No. But, however, <laughs> hilariously, if you're a fan of Astron 6 and The Editor... Yeah. The rape scene in this film is literally done, redone, shot for shot, in The Editor. Yeah, it is. And The Editor himself... Entire outfit is based on Franco Nero's character in this Holy movie. Shit. Oh my god! It <laughs> his is. entire look and like his like mannerisms and everything are essentially taken from Walter. Dude, that's so crazy. Yeah. So. Oh my god! I never even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the exact same scene. Maybe we want to go back and watch rewatch that movie. I know that's how great the editor is, but <laughs> that's oh. for another day. Yeah, that's for another day. <laughs> we'll definitely cover Astron Six down the road. Yeah, they're awesome. They're very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually he just keeps kind of forcing himself upon Eve, and uh, eventually he takes her one night. But there's an interesting aspect to that, I think. He ties Walter up and leans him against the RV. Yeah. And uh, begins to grope her. And at first she's she's just limp. She's just like, I ain't giving you what you want. Yeah. She's very defiant in this film, I would say. Oh, yeah. But eventually she looks over and sees um, Walter... Seething, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And then eventually she starts kind of acting like she likes it, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting because I think yeah. some people could see that and just think, "Oh, that's Italian misogyny." You know what I mean? There's Which probably to an extent could be, you know. Yeah, but I guess when you look into it a little more, you could be like, "Yeah, yeah." What I took from it, though, is like this is hit her turn to do what he's been doing to her, right? To mentally beat him down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To take away from him his sense of like pride, which is 
so like mentally just brutal. Yeah, at some points, like Adam is just the man with the gun. Yeah, you know he's he's almost like a pawn in between Eve and Walter at points because like you know at one point they're talking about dropping Eve off and going to Mexico together. Oh, you know it's like it's just there's this weird juxtaposition in this film where like who's good, who's bad, what's happening. Yeah, all three the three of these these individuals together is a time bomb ready to go off. Mm-hmm. Eve is really the only character in this movie that you could describe as like good. Decent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's a decent human being. God, Walter's character. Which is, is funny because like, he's almost portrayed as like, he's kind of your hero of the film. He's the one that's trying to get him out of this situation, but he's a piece of shit. He's a drunkard. He's a misogynist. He, he He's abusive. You know, <laughs> like... He's a terrible human being. All around asshole. Yeah. But it's like, who's worse? Him or Adam? You know what I mean? At least Adam's up front with what he is. Yeah. You know? Walter hides it. It's it's so it's so weird, man. It it's it's such a weird like dynamic mm-hmm. that I don't I don't know. It's something I've never really seen done before until you pointed out the editor and I didn't really even think yeah. about that. <laughs> Which is so crazy. Which they turn it on his head in the editor too, kind of do make fun, have a little fun with it. Yeah, but um, yeah. Ultimately, Hitchhike is a really underrated gem of a movie. Oh yeah, it's a very good, well acted. Even though it is a dubbed movie, it's Italian. Yeah, which does throw off the acting a little bit. Well, honestly, at first, I didn't even realize this was an Italian movie until I realized at one point that David Hess's mouth didn't sync up to what he was <laughs> yeah. saying. I was like, okay. And thank God David Hess did his own. Oh, my God. If someone else did, it would not have Because, like, most of the time, if it, if it were an American actor, they would do their own dub. Yeah. But sometimes they didn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've seen movies where, like, that's not that guy's voice. You know what I mean? What movie were we watching? And, oh, God, I don't remember his name now. Oh, God. I can't remember his name, but we his he opened his mouth and spoke and was like that's not his voice. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened multiple times. And I was like, what is this? What, was it Barrel? What not Barrel Ground? A movie? It was a movie like Barrel Ground. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Oh my god! It was. What's funny if you watch a lot of Italian films, um, there's a couple of voice actors who do all the Italian movies, so you'll constantly hear them, and you can like point them out, like that's that guy again. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> you know, like. But yeah, anything else you want to say about Hitchhike? I mean, I, uh, my big takeaway on this one is that everyone needs to go watch it, and it's an absolute underrated gem. I mean, all that I could honestly really say about it would spoil everything. Yeah, we don't want to give away too much. Just the damn ending. The is, ending, uh, yes. Haunting Absol- in a way. Yeah, very, very. There's something that happens in yeah. there that we talked about that was like, all right. <laughs> It does go from absolutely dumb and goofy, which does hurt the film. I do think it goes on a bit long. It does. Where it's like, if this one thing had happened and not the other, it would have been great. Mm. But because they had to throw in this one little dumb, little goofy moment that makes no sense at all, it hurts a little. But not a ton. Are you about to die on there? I was having issues there. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> I had like an air pocket or something. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> you got the hiccups, boy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's Hitchhike, man. Go watch Hitchhike. Yes, seek it out. It it it's an absolute blast. Like it's fun to watch just because it's just like what's gonna happen next. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like oh gosh, Jesus. 
yeah, love this movie. It's like an, it's the longest of all of them. And it don't feel like it though. No, it breezes by. Honestly, when I was watching it, because I had to go to work not too long after I was watching, I was like, I kept looking at the clock. Right, mm-hmm. time was just flying by while I was watching. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go to work in like thirty minutes. Yeah. In, please, hurry. Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> and then the, the oil scene happened, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, like, I, was like, I was like, come on! You're like, Jesus. <laughs> That's just that Italian weirdness, man. Yeah, Italian. It happens in this next movie, too. Uh, yeah. The only thing I can say about it is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we fast forward again to 1980. As we enter... House on the edge of the park. Yes, we enter the house on the edge of the park. <sighs> this movie, this is another first watch for me, which is honestly kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many movies like this one, and I watched the direct ripoff of this one before. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, Venus Flytrap. is a complete ripoff of this movie, except for the twists. Yeah, it's a little different. It's, it's but a little different, yeah. But other than that, it's... Nearly the same movie. Which is mind-boggling. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> and I love Venus Flytrap. Yeah. I think it's a really fun shot-on-video movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's nowhere near as good as House on the Edge of Park. Oh, House on the Edge of Park does it masterfully. This movie is a masterclass. Directed by Reguero Diodato. And it's your boy. The legend Reguero Diodato. Who, if you're like, who's that? Who's Diodato? Diodato directed Cannibal... Yeah. Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, maybe, two words. Maybe the greatest exploitation film ever made. Yes. Maybe and the best disturbing movie ever. I mean, when so, when you say, oh, this movie's directed by Reguero Diodato, right? Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, who is that? Two words, motherfucker. Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just explains Diodato didn't make a lot of great movies. No. <laughs> but when he hit, he, he hit hard. Yeah, <laughs> and in my opinion, he has directed absolutely two exploitation masterpieces oh, yes. in *Cannibal Holocaust* and *House on the Edge of the Park*, which came out almost the same year. Mm-hmm. Which is nuts. That's like Mike level shit right there. <laughs> oh God, Mike, we need to cover him again. Yeah, we definitely do. Because he got so many other movies that we mm-hmm. can just. Yeah, but um, this tells the tale of Alex. Yeah, and um, Ricky. Right. Mm, uh, is that Giovanni's name? Hold on. Um, maybe I wrote it down. Give it to me once more. Love me more and more. Of course, Give of course, I didn't write more. that down. But I wrote. Love me more and more. <laughs> I swear to God. Sorry. Of course, I didn't write his name down. But I made a Triple H reference in my Triple H. My damn. <laughs> hold on just a second, because I wanted to look at these names anyway. So I'm gonna go ahead and look it up. Okay. Sing, uh, sing that song some more. I, I don't. Shit, I hit a button. Do it to me once more. Oh, God. Um, Love me more and more. I, I don't, Do it to me once more. I don't know if I know the lyrics to that song, John. That's the whole song. How do you not know that lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> literally what I said is literally an entire song. Well, you know. <laughs> I How's that just an entire song, John? It's the entire damn song, all right? H- how? So, anyways, let's run down some of the... Some of the... Um, the... Uh, the... The... Um, Pedigree in this film, if okay. you will. Speaking of Triple H, oh, damn it. David Hess. We all know David Hess. This whole episode is dedicated to the greatness that is David Hess. Annie Bell, mm-hmm. who was Emmanuel. I mean, that is massive exploitation right there. You know what I mean? Right. 
Giovanni Lombardo Radici, City of the Living Dead, uh, Cannibal Ferox. I mean, countless movies. Um, I never pronounce this girl's name right. Loriana De Sela, who is also in Cannibal Ferox. This is an exploitation who's who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is is David Hess the only American actor in this movie? Mm, he's not the only one. I, I think there was another American actor in the film, but it was very diverse. Like, there was French, German, and Australian. <laughs> My question is, at what, what point did some of these actors go to Italy to film these movies? That just be- Italy became such a hotbed of film that, like, people were just going over there because they were paying well and, you know, making movies like crazy. That's crazy. I never really thought about that, yeah. but, you know. So, anyways, Alex and, uh, I didn't look up his name. I think it is Riccio. You mean look it up while you explain? Yeah, go ahead. Our two mechanics, Alex, we are introduced to pretty quickly as uh, he rapes and murders a girl in the first five minutes of the of movie. Of course. <laughs> um, he, uh, they're getting ready to go boogie. Oh, God, that was, that was great. <laughs> when these two, I guess the best way to describe them would be, it would be yuppies, rich folk. Yes. Come by and like, something's wrong with our vehicle. It's making weird noises. Ricky, you're right. And Alex is like, too bad, we're closed, we're going boogie. <laughs> right? You should have just left that alone there. But. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ricky's like, oh, I can fix that, I'm a great mechanic. Because Ricky is, you know, I don't think this is a, a surprise, it is his character. He's a little slow. Yeah. He's kind of mentally challenged. Acts kind of like a kid. Yeah. Um, Alex becomes smitten with the lady, and... Decides that they're going to invite themselves to their party. And they say, okay. Because why not? Of course you just invite David yeah. Hess to your party. <laughs> yeah, of course you just invite some random ass dude to your party. Which mm-hmm. at the time they probably don't know what the, what's going to happen. Well, they, yeah. You know. We don't want to spoil anything. Though. Yeah. So they get to the party. And uh, right from the get to go, things aren't going too well. No. <laughs> Honestly... The yuppie team, which there's, what, five, six of them? Yeah. Kind of assholes. A little bit. They immediately start exploiting Ricky, start cheating him at cards. Mm-hmm. The girl that Alex is smitten with starts cock-blocking him all over the place. <sighs> and uh, after the card game thing, Alex is like, all right, this is how y'all want to play? And he starts, you know, being an asshole. They try to beat him up. Alex reverses it, pulls out his straight razor, and holds everybody captive. And then the rape and torture begins. <laughs> Straight up David Hess style. Yeah, David Hess gives it his all. <laughs> he gives it his all in this one. Like, in The Last House on the Left, he gives a little bit. Hitchhike, he gives this a little more. This time, he's going crazy. He's he- going all in. <laughs> <laughs> that was not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so... Where do you begin with the house on the edge of the park? First of all, last house on the left, very violent. Yes. Hitchhike, I would say, is a very sexual movie as well. Yeah. But not as much as House on the Edge of the Park. Oh, my God. House on the Edge of the Park is a sleaze fest. Oh, yeah. Tons of nudity. Tons of sex, both consensual and non. (laughs) (laughs) Tons of references to sex. Yeah. Crotch grabbing. Oh, there's a lot of that, actually. You know, like, tit groping. A lot of... 
to put it in nice words, a lot of non-consensual stuff. A lot of non-consensual <laughs> grabbing. Yes. There's not a ton, ton of rape in this movie, honestly. Like, really, no. I think there's only, like, one real rape scene. Yeah. Which is a, one of the best, like, moments in the movie. Not the rape itself, but afterwards, right? Because mm. David Hess is laying there, and he's like, oh, now tell me, it wasn't that bad, was it? And she's like, it's disgusting. And it's like, damn, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you get roasted. That's a great scene, you know what I mean? Um, also, the way I compare, to bring back uh, Triple H into the conversation, is... David Hess in this movie is what Triple H was the <laughs> WWE in 2002. He's going to get himself over. <laughs> he is going to get himself over and do some awful things in the process. Like anytime <laughs> the 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 people think they get the upper hand on him, oh. reverses it and puts him in puts him down. It's like <laughs> God dang. <laughs> reverse pedigree. Yeah. Wait 30 seconds. Pin. Pin. Bury your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure not a lot of people get that reference, but that was straight in Booker T. Yeah. A lot of homophobic slurs yes. in this film. Like, uh, tons of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, a lot of them come out of nowhere. It's just... And everybody Jesus. on the top of the film, fantastic actors. Yeah. David Hess, Giovanni Lombardo Radici, Lorena De La Solo, Annie Bell, all of them are really good in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have issue with the main yuppie guy with the long hair. Oh, really? He's very stiff, I feel like. Yeah. His facial expressions never change no matter what. But, yeah, you're, yeah. You know, he's pretty weak, honestly. I think the guy that, <laughs> I think his name's Howard, maybe? The one that gets tied up at the very beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, he's a better actor and probably should have been that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's a, he's a much stronger actor, but I guess he looks more physically intimidating than the other guy does. Mm-hmm. Where you know he ties him up because he can maybe you know hang in there with David Hess, but the other guy is just a he's a wimp. Right. David Hess is gonna push his poop in <laughs> every time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, I'd like to mention how strong David Hess is in these movies. <laughs> he beats the shit out of everybody. Well, in the first in Last House, he's kind of like slimy and. Mm-hmm. It's the most realistic per- uh, depiction, probably. Hitchhike, he just beats the fuck out of people. Yeah, man. he just knocks he them all over the place. destroys people <laughs> with just his bare hands. And his weapon of choice in this film is probably the most iconic thing from the film. Oh, yeah. It's the straight razor. The only other extremely iconic thing from the movie is probably the poster. Yeah. The poster is amazing. Yeah, with the trees that make up the Grim Reaper. Yeah. We were talking about this after I watched it. I was like... How many things ripped it off? (laughs) How many things ripped it off? Everything. Everything. (laughs) But anyways, uh, the straight razor is so iconic because the sound design of it is so good. That every time you're like, oh, because it's so identifiable. Oh, yeah. I mean, like everybody's been cut by something super sharp. Yeah, I mean, just imagine. I did it just the other day at work. (laughs) Yeah. Like. Trying to like open like a box or something, and just slice your finger mm-hmm. right open. Like the first time he uses it, he puts it on the guy's face and just get on the face. And it's so slow. Ugh. It's such a great choice because like it's so identifiable and it just hits you in the gut every time. You're just like, oh, you know, you cringe. It's like what paper cuts are for yeah. some reason. It's that feeling of just like, no. It's fantastic. I mean, so good. Ugh. And David Hess is just. The biggest slime ball in this movie. Oh my god! As I said, he's Triple H two thousand two. He is amazing <laughs> in this movie, and so is Giovanni Lombardo DC, because yeah. like he keeps getting swept into it, but he doesn't re- like. He's just like, ah, let's just leave. You know, I just want to go. I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, haven't we had enough? Isn't it done? 
and Alex, like the whole time, I'm trying to figure out whether or not there's genuine love there or not. Mm. You know what I mean? Because there comes a point where it does seem like Alex cares about him for real. Yeah. But there's other times where he just feels like he's just kind of using him. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't, I don't know. It's a very, but it's really good because you can read a lot into it. Right. But the the relationship is kind of odd, and like you really have to think, like sit there and be like. Is this a real relationship kind of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, are these guys like truly friends? Yeah. Or is it just, you know, this is his retard buddy that he likes to drag around with him? You do that word around <laughs> a lot in a very PC culture. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're just like, a lot of people, John, <laughs> you can't just drop that word like that anymore. But what if they are mentally retarded? Oh, you're supposed to say mentally challenged now. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Anyways. I know. Look, I know, but it's just PC culture, like... They, I don't like PC culture. I don't either, but <laughs> it's it's really hard to throw that word around nowadays. To me, you know, we talked about this. To me, Ricky is honestly the most sympathetic person in this movie. Yeah. Because he's getting used by both sides. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, you feel, because you do get a sense that he's like, you know, at first he's all about it. Like, yeah, I want to be like Alex. Alex is my friend. But then once he starts like going there, he's like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean, I just want to go. But Alex is like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> we we doing this. Mm-hmm. Another thing I want to talk about this film is the soundtrack. Yeah. The soundtrack was done by none other than Riz Orlanti. Who's Riz Orlanti, you might ask? Oh, he's none other than the guy that made the soundtrack for Campbell Holocaust. Oh <laughs> and his soundtrack freaking awesome. Yeah. So good. It's such a great soundtrack. It's jazzy and like disco-y at points and at the same time really quiet and subdued at points. Just everything works perfectly. Oh, by the way, I've this is kind of a just a off-track moment. But you're you're talking about the the, the straight razor. Mhm. I found out how they do sound effects in movies recently like that. Yeah. It, there's literally actors like like voice actors who do sound effects like that. Yeah, that they like break things and yeah. Sometimes it's just foley sounds, which they'll go into a room. Yeah, foley and maybe, sounds, yeah. Maybe rip some paper, you know. You know. Yeah. Oh my god, my favorite one was like he took he took this like giant like piece of celery. He he just starts just fucking going d- d- down on. It. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, like well. Speaking of foley sounds, this has nothing to do with we're talking about. Okay, yeah. Just getting off on tangent here. Sorry. Uh, in basket case. The scene where they're cutting Bilal off Dwayne. Yeah. The fully sounds they use is straight balloons. It's really? Like, oh my god. And I'm like, he had to realize that sounded awful and like just did it as a meme, right? <laughs> like <laughs> a meme. Yeah. That's before memes. I know, but I'm just you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh god. But anyways, uh, back to House on the Edge of the Park. <laughs> <laughs> the most brutal scene in the movie is definitely the scene involving this girl who shows up named Cindy. Yeah. Who David has forces her to disrobe. You find out she's a virgin. And then he begins to just systematically cut her. Yeah. And it's brutal. It's very brutal. But what makes it even worse is Riz Orlani's score at this point. Mm. It's this like lullaby. Uh, It's like Cindy, oh Cindy. You know? mm. It's so unnerving. It... Yeah, uh, makes your ball shoot up in you. <laughs> the words you use in this podcast <laughs> it could be worse. I'm like, oh, I got me hard, <laughs> but I didn't. I said it made my ball shoot up in me. 
Had a oh. disgust. <laughs> God, it's just... Yeah, this scene is um, very hard to watch. It's intense. Like, up until this point, like, there's some brutal stuff, like, especially when one of the, the lead guys gets his head bashed to a fucking table. Yeah. That's brutal. Good makeup, too. Oh, yeah. On his face afterwards. Looks... Looks great. Legit. Yeah, it looks great. And then this scene happens, and it's like, stop. It's definitely by far the most intense, brutal scene in the movie. Yeah. Everything else is just very hypersexual. Yeah. Up until then. Then it gets really... Gritty. Yeah. And, like, rapey. <laughs> <laughs> like most David Hesper. I mean, go. before that, he's molesting him, which is is bad. It's horrible. You shouldn't molest people. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, it should not even be said. Yeah, you shouldn't have to say, it, don't touch people if they don't want to be touched, but... <laughs> like, well, this doesn't sound really weird, but in my notes, I kept, like, <laughs> being like, oh, there you go, David, has consensual sex. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That's like, I'm running thing. gag with myself, just like... But that's the thing, is like, but that's when it goes beyond the worst. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, it's bad, gets badder, gets worse, <laughs> you know? <laughs> bad, badder, worse. <laughs> Without spoiling anything, though... What do you like? Not the twist ending, because yeah. I think the twist is actually really good. The twist is awesome. Yeah, I didn't see it coming actually. Right. And then I was Even like, though when you think about it, you're like, you're dumb. Yeah, like, that was the worst decision you could have ever done. <laughs> you know, like there was much better ways to pull this off than that. <laughs> <laughs> However, I still think it's a really good twist. But the ending, it's very famous. Again, <sighs> the only thing I'll say is, oh. what do you think about that? Um, like the rest of the movie is so serious. Yeah, <laughs> so brutal, and then that happens. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, okay. I mean, there's funny moments in the movie, but everything is is taken very straight. Yeah, not this though. No, this is dumb. <laughs> but I like it. I don't know if I just like that. He like goes cross eyed. <laughs> the rest like, of that scene's brutal though. Oh my god! And very realistic, like one of the most realistic depictions of like a shooting I've ever seen. Oh my god! I've never seen someone get shot that many times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, <laughs> but uh, so. By the way, I'd like to mention those were the worst gun sound effects ever that I just did. <laughs> <laughs> sound like a lame version of authors and was it author and Punisher? Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, another very interesting thing to point out this one before we wrap up. House in the Park is it's very class oriented. Yeah. You know, Ricky and Alex are low. Low like to middle class. And, and you know, the rest of them are high end blue collar. Blue collar, right? No white collar. <laughs> Alex in the movie blue collar. Yeah. Um and it says something about both of them, really, it's I think. Not. I think I think there's a lot to be taken out of that. Don't want to get into it too much, you know, kinda of make your own assumptions of it. Yeah. But what else do you want to say about last House on the Edge of the Park before we uh, wrap it up? I mean, it, it's a, it's just such a fantastic movie, man. It's great. I love this movie. Like everything about it, except for that one scene, <laughs> um, is just so good. Like the poster, awesome. Mm-hmm. The music, awesome. Cinematography, yeah. awesome. <laughs> Acting, awesome. David Hess's heel work, awesome. awesome. You know, it's disturbing. It's hypersexual. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like. There is consensual sex in it as well. Yeah. With some hot <sighs> ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's very sexual and steamy at the same steamy. time. While also being very brutal and violent and nasty, you know? Yeah. 
Although it's not where near as violent as Last House on the Left. There's really only one scene of like real like holy shit violence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything else is very sexual in nature, whether it be consensual or not. <laughs> yeah, Last House reigns supreme in the violence category. I feel like that. Yeah. But uh, anything else? Or is I that gonna I, wrap it up? I think that's gonna wrap it up. All right. House on the Edge of the Park. All three of these. Which, by the way, follow me. Um, Rugged John Coffee on uh, Letterboxd. Yeah. Because I've began a list on there that you can follow called The Sick on Cinema Seal of Approval. God, I wish you could add in a little sound effect to make that sound even cooler. I could, but I don't feel like doing it. (laughs) Damn it, John. (laughs) I'm also not that good at editing. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess I could add a reverb and stuff, but. You could do that. But it could sound like shit, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you can go in there and follow it. I've added all the li- all the movies that we've kind of, like, been the highest on. Yeah. And I think all three of these, in my opinion, will make the Second Cinema seal of approval I, list. I, I agree. And what, what's my name on here? Mine just says, I, and I'm Matt. Yeah, I've noticed that. Like, I'm Matt. Well, that's... <laughs> a reference I'm to Matt. The- as a reference to the podcast. Oh. Asshole. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me pull up my letterbox here real fast, folks, so I can kind of give you a... Uh, house on the Edge of the Park, Hitchhike, and Last House on the Left will be joining Miss 45, Man Bot's Dog, Her Name Was Torment, I Spit on Your Grave, Thriller, Kids, Bully, A Better Place, Each of the Killer, Visitor Q, Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox, Killing of America, Dear Zachary, Burnt House, Hunters, Regurgitated Sacrifice, Bad Lieutenant, Deadbeat at Dawn, Combat Shock, Men Behind the Sun, The Girl Next Door, Muzani, Nostril Picker, Irreversible, Eyes Without a Face, Jigoku, Unchain Anlu, Threads, Come and See, August Underground, August Underground Mortem, August Underground Penance, Redson Tower, Murder Collection, Celatursica. I feel like there's one name, there's one director on there like that's a heavy hitter. Yeah, well, <laughs> Vigilante, Savage Streets, Class 1984, Bag Boy, Lover Boy, Cat Sick Blues, mm-hmm. Multiple Maniacs, Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, and Death Wish One through Three. I don't know why when you said the John Waters movies, like chills. For some <laughs> so these three films will make the sick on cinema, which we won't do this every time. I just want to kind of point that out. So yeah, can, can go. You can go look at it. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like sick on cinema, seal of approval every time. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, but, uh, like years in the line, if we're still doing this, which I'm sure we probably will be. Well, what else we're gonna be doing? <laughs> Dying. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just let like, the list just goes on and on, like like an hour of just like movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're right, John. But oh. that's out there. You can go look at it. All three of these movies are going to get on there. And like I said, I'm not going to announce it every single time now. But anytime we're super high on a movie, you can just expect that it's going to get that sick on cinema yes. seal of approval. And we'll, we'll probably say it gets the seal of approval on the podcast, and you can just go check out the movies for yourself. Yep. Yeah, I think all three of these get it, though. Yeah. So. Oh my God, it feels so good to finally get this episode done. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> now we just got to go put it on tape. Tape. What the hell am I even talking about? Digital. <laughs> we go put it on digital and put we're, it out. We're gonna put it on the podcast app so yeah. you can go listen to this on. <laughs> but we got two announcements. Okay, let's hear it. Let's start with the first one. October thirty first. Yes, we will be doing the Sick on Cinema Spook Show. I thought it was the Spooky Spectacular. Dead Pit had that. <laughs> Damn it, Dead Pit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, that's a good name. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> 
to the Sick on Cinema first annual spook show. Spook show. All I can think about is like you is like the the cover of Creep Show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you know what you're going to have to do for that episode now, right? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You got to put your face over the kid looking at the comic book and be in the window. (laughs) 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 That has to be the poster now. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll see what. I'll about pass. I mean, you got Photoshop now. Well, I'm. At your school. Yeah, but I got to get a computer at the house that can work it. Well, you can just do it while you're at school. You always send me logos and shit you're working on. That's true. But, um. I, I actually need to start working on the assignments. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's going to be on the Spook Show for October 31st? Well, we're going to be, uh, talking to some friends. Yes, it'll be a star studded event. <laughs> star studded event. As we'll be bringing in guests from the past. Yes. Who have are friends of the show who will be telling us what they were most scared of as a kid. Which we, we kind of did this last year. Between and, us. Yeah. This is them talking about what scared the shit out of them as yeah. a youth. As well as... Excuse me. Spooky stories. Yes. We'll be reading spooky stories from either scary stories to tell in the dark. Ooh. Maybe some creepy pastas. That's not a thing no more, really. Oh, it, it's still a, it's still a thing, but it's not as popular. And maybe something else too. We'll figure it out. And hell, we may even have some music. Who knows? This will be an, on a, a dope episode. Yeah, it's going to be the Sick on Cinema Spook Show. Spook Spook Show. But that's not the big announcement. That's just a announcement. That, that's just an announcement for what we're doing. The next time you hear from us, no, well, no, 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 no. The next time you be hearing from us, we already looked this up. I just want to look in. Friday, October 26th. We mm-hmm. need you to mark that on your calendar. Please. Because on that episode, it will be the first time ever we have an episode where we don't review anything. Yeah, we don't review anything at all. Because we have a special interview. Yes. Um, Would you like to announce it? You're the one who got it pretty much yeah. set up. So, this took a little bit of time. to Took some work. Yeah, because... Like we we had a few people in mind for this, mm-hmm. but one hit us out of the blue, and we were like, "That's the one. That's the one we're doing." So, all right, drum roll, please, John. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think anyone could hear that. It's all right. <laughs> okay. Well, Stephen Byro. Yes, Stephen Byro, head of Unearthed Films and the creator of the American Guinea Pig series. Yes. We'll be joining us for about an hour-long interview Mm -hmm. to talk about all things unearthed and American Guinea Pig. Also, um, can can I uh, mention one thing on there, on here right quick? What? There's a moment uh, where you talk about a a film franchise, and he answers. Oh, yes. It gives you an answer that is... um, I don't think anyone is going to want to hear this answer. It's nothing bad. Don't get that way. This is an absolutely fantastic interview. Oh, yes. Byro was great. Gave us all great answers. Was very gracious time. But there is an answer that broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it will break the heart of many exploitation films. It broke my fans. heart, too, man. Many fans of gore films and horror in general. There is a question that you will eventually be like, oh, no. <laughs> and this question, and the reason why it will no longer happen is because of one asshole. One asshole. And we'll talk about that a little bit up front on that episode. Yes. So, that's it for now. Stephen Byro, October 26th. Mark it down. Mark it down. And then, of course, 
31st will be our Hall- What did you just do? Don't worry about it. Keep talking. Okay. Um, <laughs> will be our spook show. Sick on cinema spook show. I like how you had this little like delivery for it. Yeah, no one no one can see me doing the little diddly hands. <laughs> Do not say diddly hands ever on this podcast again. <laughs> Woo. All right. Well <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this episode of Sick on Cinema. I am John. I'm Matt. And you've been listening to the podcast dedicated to the dark side of film. Sick. Sick. On cinema. 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 How, how long are we going to keep doing that for? Diddly fingers. Oh.